Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. Imagine you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You employ hundreds of thousands of people at locations around the world. You've got to worry about making your product, selling it, and then making money. You've got your employees, shareholders, the general public, the U.S. government, foreign governments. All of them affect how you run your business. And then comes President Trump. I'm here to help you folks do well. And you're doing well right now. I think you're going to find this to be from very inhospitable to extremely hospitable. I dealt with the small businesses and the big businesses, and I love you all the same. That's the president talking to tech CEOs and auto CEOs and small business leaders because he's taking a very hands-on approach to getting businesses to fulfill his campaign promises. And most CEOs have been willing to listen. But then came the executive order temporarily banning travel from seven majority Muslim countries. Opposition to President Trump's newly imposed travel restrictions is also coming from the tech world. Apple CEO Tim Cook writing to his staff, the company would not exist without immigration, let alone thrive and innovate the way we do. As a response to Donald Trump's newly signed immigration ban, company CEOs are speaking up and leading efforts to help those affected by the travel ban. CEOs are in a tough spot. Well, with me is Joan O'Sara with Bloomberg View and Sheila Kohatkar with The New Yorker. And in this kind of political environment, should CEOs be speaking up or should they just keep their heads down and just focus on what their job is? I think they're in a bit of a funny situation because on the one hand, I think many of them believe that Trump and his administration are going to be offering them all sorts of goodies and gifts like huge corporate, corporate tax taxes. breaks. And who knows if we'll have a federal minimum wage and, you know, they're getting rid of anti-pollution laws. So on the one hand, many of them are quite pleased about that. At the same time, um, there's reason for them to be worried. I mean, Trump has shown a willingness to sort of lash out at individual companies on a whim. There's a lot of instability and uncertainty, and all of that is creating a sort of awkward business environment that the CEOs are having to grapple with now. Well, you know, one way to think about it is that the stock market, for instance, really took off after he was elected because this upside that Sheila was talking about, oh, no more regulation, um, there's going to be fantastic tax cuts, overwhelmed the thought of what the downside might be. And now we're starting to see what the downside might be. So for multinational corporations, the idea of trade barriers of any kind is awful. If China and the U.S. start to fight um, uh, financially, that's a problem. And the immigration ban is a huge problem because the, they employ immigrants. Their employees, by and large, are immigrant embracing, and it's just plain bad for business. So what's the bigger risk then to actually say something or to not say something? Well, they need to get over being worried about him tweeting. You know, for one thing. Okay, Boeing stock went down for a couple of days when he said something bad about Air Force One. But it came back up again. And what you see now is a lot of tiptoeing around. Very few have been like Reed Hastings of Netflix who said this is un-American. Very few have done that. But I think what you're going to see is that, especially on the trade front and the immigration front, if Trump keeps moving in the direction that he started, you're going to see basically an outcry from big business. I think one important thing to remember, it's sort of an obvious point, but the reason the U.S. is a good place to do business is because it's a lawful, generally transparent, although not perfect system where people can come and enter into agreements with a sense of order and law. And suddenly, um, 
you know, that sort of law and order sense you have here is a bit up in the air. And we just have no idea how far Trump is going to go with his willingness to violate conventions. But if you look at particular companies that were targeted, uh, you had Uber, for example, people believe that they were being too pro-Trump. So they were targeted by those opposed to it. Uh, Then you had Starbucks CEO who came out because of the, the executive order about immigrants. Uh, saying that they would give jobs to refugees and they got targeted. I mean, is this a problem of greater polarization? I can drink coffee at this place because they they agree with my points of views, but I can't get a burger at this place because they don't fit what my worldview is. By and large, over the course of history, corporations have gone out of their way to avoid controversy. We're at a moment where that's almost impossible because their own best interest requires them to say things that many people are going to disagree with. There have been some very interesting roundups of the comments by various company leaders on their earnings calls. And in some cases, they seem to be going out of their way to try and butter up the new administration. For example, AT&T is saying, oh, it's going to be so wonderful. And of course, we all know there's a huge uh, AT&T Time Warner merger that's potentially going to be approved or rejected. It's very controversial. So they're trying to curry favor. Companies like Caterpillar are saying, well, this infrastructure is going to be wonderful for us. You know, people are going to be buying a lot of machines. But there is a real undercurrent of anxiety in many of their commentary. And even the even the companies that did make statements directly addressing the immigration changes that Trump announced, you know, most of them tried to kind of find a middle ground. And, and they were say, statements. I mean, they were more than happy to come out and say things on their earnings calls or come out of a meeting with Trump and say something uh, that could be recorded and heard. But when it comes to actually issuing, you know, coming out publicly and saying, I disagree with this, you didn't hear that as much. No, they were saying things like, we respect our employees from around the in world. In a statement. In a statement, yes. And these were sort I, of- I've made uh, several efforts to to, I've called about a half a dozen companies to you know, see if I could get their CEO on the phone to talk about this. CEOs hold a lot of power in this country. What role do you think that they should play in the coming years in, in this administration? I absolutely think it's important for them to tell Donald Trump the truth. Uh, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. It's inappropriate for you to have a meeting with AT&T and Time Warner CEO to uh, personally you know, approve their merger. That's not your job. It's not your role. It violates the rule of law in America. And all this stuff you think is going to do, is going to bring jobs, is actually going to hurt us as a country. They need to say that. They need to say it loud. And they need to say it unanimously. I think it's really important for them to refuse to go along with the sort of stunt campaign that seems to be emanating from Trump and his Twitter feed. I mean, he's he seems to be trying to take credit for business decisions that were made anyway, as uh, he seems to be trying to make it look like he is snapping his fingers and these different companies are making decisions based on what he's bullying them into doing. I think the, the company leaders need to refuse to participate in a charade, and they do, and they need to be honest with him, and they need to be honest with the American people about what is possible what Trump is actually responsible for, and I don't think they want to become part of his campaign. Well, Sheila Kohatkar is a staff writer at The New Yorker. You're also the author of a forthcoming book, Black Edge, about the largest insider trading investigation in Wall Street history. Congrats. Thanks. And Joan O'Sara is a columnist with Bloomberg View. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Charlie. And I'm Charlie Herman, and this is Money Talking from WNYC. WNYC. 